0: This reading is from Psalm 63, or is Psalm 63. O oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. And In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exalt, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. It's the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, thank
1: you for your word. Uh, to us, thank you that you speak. Uh, God, thank you that um, you give us psalms that we can pray, that we can experience you through. I pray, uh, thank you for David, and even as he composed this psalm, and um, I pray that as we study it, that we would meet you. Uh, Lord, I, I, I thank you for um, being such a powerful God, being just loving us um, and meeting us wherever we are. In Christ's name, I pray, Amen. So uh, we're in big picture. We're I'm I'm preaching through Genesis four through eleven this year. Last fall, I preached through Genesis one through three, and so we've just kind of I kind of go through sections of the Bible at a time, and and we're we're working our way through Genesis and and picking up where we left off, which was Genesis four, which is Adam, Adam and Eve, like Adam and Eve last fall sinned, right? They, they ate the fruit, and, and, and so that we've been in the story of Cain and Abel for like three weeks, but something interesting happens uh, with Cain, and we talked about this last week, that he, that, that he kills his brother, and then he's like cast out. He's banished, and Adam and Eve, like they had eaten the fruit. They're banished, and then uh, like, like I said last week, Cain kills his brother Abel, and he's banished even further from god and and so with the women gone and then obviously with the husbands that didn't want to come with their kids gone i was like okay well let's step away from that and, and let let's just kind of have like a like just kind of a little extra study because i i think it's interesting that that adam and eve sinned and they got kind of driven out we'll call it the wilderness and then Cain and Abel, or Cain sinned. Abel didn't do much but die. But Cain sinned, and he got sent out even into a further wilderness. And then David sins, and he gets out into the wilderness, which is our, and, and then writes this psalm that's an amazing psalm. And, and why is it good for him and bad for Cain? Right? And like, just kind of like that why question of like, how can the the wilderness be one thing for one person and the wilderness be something so different from another person and and I was actually another reason that we're stepping away from this study I when you study when I study the this the Old Testament history which is kind of my favorite thing to preach on I I have to do a whole lot of study and I was in Colorado all week at a pastor's retreat and I didn't I wasn't going to study a lot so I I was I like to do something like a psalm when I get back because I can just pray and study that psalm the whole week and so I obviously was interested in the wilderness question but then I also I was in Colorado and and one of the times and it, it reminded me of all the other times I used to go to school in Colorado worked at camps in Colorado that was kind of a big part of my life and I, I was thinking about it while I was praying this psalm and how different the experience is between Cain and David and I remember one, one of my Colorado experiences and this is totally a true story so I I'm in Colorado, working at a camp in Southwest Colorado, which was kind of where I grew up going and and um, and I, and I'm working at this camp, and it's like late october and and so the, the the snow that I was taking I was taking a year off of college, both me and my college thought that I should take a year off so so it was I was, I was turning I was making lemon lemonade out of lemons, so I was in Colorado at a camp and um, and it was October, so it was like actually a really beautiful time to be there and and there was like light dusting of snow in the high country already. And then and then like there's actually, there was I was sitting there reading my Bible in this big field. And behind me is the Continental Divide, which is like one of the kind of this incredible ridge, you know, that goes all the way up the Rockies that on one side, all the water goes to the Pacific Ocean on the other, it's the Atlantic. doesn't matter that, but it's just like really amazing. I could see three 14,000 foot peaks around me. I mean, it's just amazing. That is in and of itself. And I'm in this gorgeous valley. And then, no kidding, there's a guy across the valley that worked at the same camp as me, breaking a horse. And he's got like, and no kidding, because it's, you know, October, he had a a long leather coat on with a cowboy hat. And there's a horse running around this circle. And he's like doing whatever they do with it. I don't know. And I was watching him reading my Bible as picturesque as it could be, right? And no kidding, then the the camp next door to us, which is like a mile away or more, they were having a mountain man rendezvous and bagpipes started playing. It's like one of the most magical moments of my life. I'm watching a guy break a horse with dusting in the snow, the aspen are changing, the huge mountains around me, and bagpipes, like a mile away, so they're not like annoying, right? They're like the way they're supposed to be heard. And it was amazing. I know, thank you. Nobody thought that was funny. You can laugh at bagpipes. There are not any bagpipers here, probably. So um, it was, a, and I, I was so depressed, and I was so sad. And it was like one of the darker moments of my life. And I look back on like, how in the world could that be dark? But just because we have a certain setting doesn't mean we have a certain experience. And, that, and that's kind of the situation because you look at David and like it says the little, the, little, um, the title. There, there's like usually in a lot of Bibles, there's kind of two titles. There's one in my Bible that's all caps. And that was, meant by, that was created by the Bible people that are like making this Bible. But then there's a one below that that says a Psalm of David. And that was written by the person that put the Psalms together. So we, that's like part of the Bible. And it says a Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. And the wilderness is a place, I mean, like a, it's not the Colorado wilderness where I've got bagpipes and all the food I can eat and, and you know people breaking horses. It's a different kind of, it's a dark place to live. It is a place that is it's falling apart. Um, it's a place that's arid. It's a place where there's no water. The psalm even mentions that. It's a place where, where you go to die. And you certainly go there because you've done something wrong. And yet David. This psalm is extraordinary. He says. "Like My soul thirsts for you. And my flesh faints for you. In a dry and weary land. Where there is no water. This, like, That's his situation. Is like it's, dark, it's, it's really hard. It's, it's going to be arid. It's going to be dry. He's not going to be. There's nothing about his situation. That is nourishing. Um, but he goes on to say. Like. I've I've looked on you in the wilderness around on on the sanctuary but then he goes on to say my soul is satisfied as with fat and rich food and I can tell you on a little bit of wilderness stuff that I know about the Judean wilderness where he was there is no rich food there there's no like actual feast happening for that nobody goes to the wilderness to find a feast like you're lucky to find you know, a rabbit. I don't know if they have rabbits there. But then you're lucky to find like a little rodent that you could skin and eat, right? Like it's not a place of, of plenty. It's a place of scarcity. And, and yet, for some reason, this is better for David than it is for Cain. And, and, and it's not. And I think one of the most important things to remember is it's not because David was better than Cain. If you remember, Cain brought an offering to God. His brother brought brought a better one. And Cain killed him for it. Which, I mean, don't kill somebody for that. But there's worse things to do. Like sleeping with another man's wife. Getting her pregnant. Bringing her husband home and trying to cover it by killing him. I mean... If you're going to pile up, if you're going to make like a sin thing, like that's, David did way worse, really. If you think about it, I mean like we think of Cain as like the worst of the worst, but like he's not the worst of the worst. He's bad. Like don't go, you know, don't be like, go be like Cain. That's not the point of the sermon. But like it's, if there's, there's worse you can do, right? And, and David did it. David David got Bathsheba pregnant, slept with Bathsheba, got her pregnant. His, her, he's like, oh, she's pregnant, she's married, and it's not my wife. And so he brings his, um, her husband home from war. He's a hero and has him killed, sends him back out to the front lines and has him killed. What's the difference? And I think really um, the difference is the first line Oh God, you are my God. I think that's it. Like, I think, like, if you are gonna, like, how how can one person have such a one experience and and another person have such a different experience? And I think, I think it's that David went out in the wilderness and and met God as opposed to went out of the wilderness because God, he was running from God. And so um, he says, God, you are my God earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. There's reason. I mean, he's, he's looked on God in the sanctuary, it says in verse two. And that, you know, that's like, that, that could be a sweet memory, but it could be a bad memory because the story, I don't know if you know, if you know Psalm 63, the background of this is Absalom is his son and, um, and Absalom is a, not a great son David isn't making some great decisions. I mean, he's just like trying to be king, right? He's doing the best version of David that he can be, whatever. And Absalom is, is like sneaking up and like inserting all kinds of like propaganda against him. And so David will make a decision and Absalom's like, well, I don't know about that. It's just total political. It's like the Democrats and the Republicans. I literally... I mean, I don't know which one's which, because I don't know their politics, but you know, like David's big government, you know, and Absalom's small government, or whatever. It's kind of like, I don't think, I don't want him to succeed, I want me to succeed. That's totally in our day and age, in our politics. That was their situation. Absalom's like, yeah, he's not doing a good job, is he? And he starts a, basically a whisper campaign, to put it in our language, against his own dad, and runs him out of the city, and then... Sleeps with all his concubines, which is a whole other thing. Um, David looks back on that situation. And let me me ask you, what would you think if you were like, if, you know, maybe it's different. Maybe your child isn't going to like start a whisper campaign and run you out of office. But, but like, let's say, like, let's say something seriously difficult is like that has happened. And you look back on that situation and you long for God. Like, I think that's, like, that's crazy and it's amazing that David looks back on all that he had and he doesn't long for the power. He doesn't long for the authority. He doesn't long for all the concubines. He doesn't long for the nice meals. He doesn't long for, you know, his old, like, his political network. He doesn't long for any of those things. He looks back on this crazy situation. And he says, he says, I, I, so I, I have, I've looked on you in the sanctuary. I've beheld your power and your glory. And that's what I miss. The thing I miss about Jerusalem is the temple. And he had all that stuff. He had so much power, so much authority, so many women, so many Political, you know, kind of allies. Um, you know, I don't think the women was a good thing. Just like FYI, he was wrong for doing all that. But like, he could have missed it, right? And yet he missed God. And he says, My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you on my bed. I will meditate on you in the night watches. His goal is to meet God. He lost everything it just imagine if you lost everything every single thing in your life except your life and that life was now starving in the wilderness and thirsty in the wilderness and you could say all right I want one thing what would it be I mean that's hard right like like when we think about wanting what we don't have you know, God usually isn't like the top of the list always, right? I mean, it's it's hard. It's, this is faith. This is a, this is a, this is, this psalm is so extraordinarily pretty because it's actually pretty extraordinary that in this situation, he wants to go back and he wants to go back to meet his God. And I, why didn't that happen to Cain? Right? Like why, why did it have to be, So different for Cain. And it's, when you, the the difference is sin. Like the difference, and it's not that one sinned and one didn't. They both were sinful wretches, actually. But, But the difference is that, is that, is that David confessed his sin. And we actually saw this a couple weeks ago. We saw that God said to Cain, he was like, look, okay, so you brought a bad, like um, offering. If you'll confess it, you'll be forgiven. And he was like, or I could kill my brother. I can fix the problem. I can have the best, I can have the best offering by just killing the other guy that had the other offering, right? That's that was his way of handling that. But had he just repented, and he just said, you know what? I yeah, I didn't bring you my best. But here am I. If he would have just said that, he would have been accepted. He would have been forgiven. Instead, he went his own way. He said, you know what? I'm going to fix this problem my own way. I'm going to, you know, kill my brother. David, so much worse. And he meets God in the wilderness. The punishment is discipline. Um, we had a situation years ago um, that we had a, somebody staying in our home um, they had made a death threat to someone else, okay, so like just, that's just like covering my bases that I'm not a bad guy, and, um, and we, we said, you know what, you can't do that, <laughs> we don't do death threats at the Dunn house, I mean like, we have some red lines, and death threat is one of them, and so, um, so we, we kicked that person out of our house. Um, I'm not on the street. Like they they had a place to go, right? But we were like not here, not with our kids. And it like created this crisis in our family because we weren't going to tell our kids that, right? We were, we were going to be like, hey, by the way, so-and-so made a death threat. This, I mean, we had, you know, they're like middle school kids at the time. So we, and, and I'm generally particular. Our, our oldest, she had a really hard time with this. She was like, if you can kick... Her, it was a girl. Like, if you can kick her out, why won't you kick me out? What, like, what's the difference? And I taught her the difference between wrath and discipline. I was like, look, if you make, if, if this girl made a death threat, she gets my wrath. My wrath is the boot, right? She's out. Whammo. She's gone. She's someone else's problem. If my daughter made a death threat, I mean, I would make her life horrible. Like there's, you know, I'm taking the door off the hinges. I'm not paying, for, I don't know if she had a cell phone. I wouldn't pay for her cell. Like I would make her life awful, but I would do it out of love. That's what the wilderness is for David. God was stripping David bare, but David, but God went out there with him he was out there in the wilderness with David and he wasn't with Cain. And I think that's the difference. The difference is that David's sin was covered because David, I know it's Old Testament, but David trusted in God, which for us is trusting in Jesus. Jesus took the pain, the sin, the tragedy, the punishment. He took all of that on himself so that David could go out into the wilderness and find God. And Cain was like, I'm going to go find myself in the wilderness. And he goes out in torment. When um, another wilderness, another sin, another punishment, Israel, when they went out in the wilderness, this is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible um, Israel sins. And they, what, what happens in the story is they, they like don't want to go into the promised land. They're like, oh, there's giants in the promised land. We don't want to go into the promised land. And God's like, okay, I'm going to kill every single one of you in the wilderness. That's the story. It's the book of Numbers. It's amazing. I, I like the book of Numbers because a lot of people die. It's a fun, it's, I mean, it's not fun for them, but it's fun for us to read it. And like earth swallows people up, snakes go crazy and kill people. It's, it's a great story. But, but as, as they're, that's the version Is that they screwed up and God punishes them for it. But then then God actually in Deuteronomy gets to tell a different version of the wilderness. And the version of the wilderness that he says is. My favorite version of the wilderness is Deuteronomy 8. Where he says, and God in the wilderness humbled you. He he fed you with manna which your fathers did not know. uh, That he might make you to know that man does not. Eat by live by bread alone, um, and it goes on to say this Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these 40 years. It, 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 you know, it's kind of one of those things like but they were there for 40 years, like clothing wears out in 40 years. There's no seamstresses in the wilderness, right? And it's like God has to remind him, He's like, Have you noticed? That your clothing did not wear out? Have you noticed that your feet didn't swell? You've walked a ton on hard, crusty ground in, in, in sandals. Did you notice that your straps didn't break? Did you notice, he goes on to say, did you notice that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord is disciplining you? All of us, all of us experience wilderness all of us experience the brokenness of this world and and the world is as broken for us as it was for Cain and Abel hopefully you haven't murdered someone maybe you have and I don't know about it it doesn't matter you're gonna find yourself no matter what your situation is you're gonna find yourself feeling cast out and that experience is either a place where God comes to you And what he does in the wilderness with Israel, it's like when you have little kids and like there's all kinds of noise going on and you grab your little kid, but not like grab him by the face, but like you put your hands on their cheeks gently and you're like, I love you. Or you're in the wilderness and you're alone. And you may feel alone every time, but if you're trusting the Lord, no matter how dark it gets, no matter how alone you feel, no matter how dry you feel, you're out there with God instead of away from God. That is the difference. When I've wrestled with Cain versus David, like why Cain's experience, why David's experience, the difference is that God was with David. And it even says towards the end, this is it's kind of a rough verse, um, but this is kind of how I'll close it out. So it says at the end of the verse, of the end of the psalm, it, it's a beautiful psalm. And then at the very end, it like sh- turns like super surprising. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down to the depths of the earth. They shall be food for jackals. And you're like, whoa, David, settle down, right? It, it, it's one of the, you know, that, the psalms get that way. But that happened to Cain. Cain was food for jackals. But because David belonged to God, Everyone else was going to be food for jackals. David was safe. And so th- this psalm, in this crazy way, just shows that what Psalm thirty one thirty nine says, that there is nowhere that God isn't, that there's no night too dark, there's no wilderness too far, there's no, you could go to the, the furthest parts of the sea and God will be there. The difference is that God is there with you or you're there alone. And so I, as we come even to the sacrament in a minute, um, our movement, whether the first time in your life or whether the thousandth time in your life, is just to come meet God. God is, allows, just gives himself to us, makes himself available to us. And, and I, I feel like I've been in a wilderness over the last while. Um, and it means to come be nourished, nourished by things we can't see, instead of things we can see. Nourished and not by power, by revenge on our son or daughter who's kicked us out of office. Not, not political, whatever, that David lost. But, but seeking nourishment from God. And Jesus Christ, our Lord, has made it that way and we can come and be fed. So let's pray. God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you for the food that you provide for us in the wilderness. I thank you, God, that a psalm as pretty as this can be come from such a dark place. Uh, Lord, I pray um, for anybody here who's felt like they're in a wilderness. I pray that um, that you would nourish them with your spirit. I pray, God, that um, that you would bring us home to you. I pray, God, that Um, that you would save us. And Lord, I pray that you settle our minds and our hearts from all the other things that we think we miss. And help us to know that that even though we do need physical things in our life, Lord, what we need most is you. And I I thank you for that. I thank you that David shows us that. I thank you that Christ, um, our Savior, makes that happen. In his name I pray. Amen.